Welcome to this Acadia Divinity College Chapel podcast. I am Stuart Blythe, a member of the faculty ADC and the Dean of Chapel. Here, you'll get a chance to hear perceptive and powerful sermons which were delivered by staff, faculty, students, alumni and guests as part of our weekly Wednesday Chapel services. Oh, I'm here. Hello. Yeah, right. um, in a moment of panic, since I wasn't, I sent you messages and uh, I wasn't getting a hold of you. Uh, I may have contacted your mom. Oh, everybody does that. Everybody just calls my mom when they're wondering where I am. And, and Leanne, Leanne sent me a Leanne Friesen, pastor of Mount Hamilton Baptist Church, and a good friend of ours uh, sent me your number. Didn't end up meeting it because got hold of you, nevertheless. You did it great. <laughs> Hi everybody. Hello. There we go. You are up on screen, and if you can turn that so they, so uh, Kevin can see us. Oh, hello, friends. Okay. Take away, Kevin. We are glad you are here. Oh yeah, this is a nice experience now to see all the side of your heads. <laughs> Hi everybody. Um, well, thank you so much for uh, having me here. It's nice to join with those of you who are at Acadia right now. Uh, Man, I wish I could be with you in Nova Scotia. That would be uh, brilliant, maybe some other time. Hello also to those of you who are joining in online from uh, wherever you are joining in. I'm calling in from downtown Hamilton, Ontario, and if I turned my screen right now, you'd see like a whiteout snowstorm out the window. So it's, uh, it's an exciting day here. Got a couple of minutes where I wanna do some reflecting on the church and maybe even uh, name a few things that you have felt in this time uh, maybe surface a few conversations that you've had with others, uh, but try to name a little bit about what is going on at this particular unique moment in the life of God's people, uh, God's people around the world, but especially God's people here in Canada, uh, and to talk about how church has shifted over the last few years and uh, perhaps some reasons uh, to be encouraged about where God seems to be leading it next. Okay, at the risk of being a um, total hack I do want to just talk about for one second the book I wrote because it is the reason that Spencer invited me in. But I swear I'll never sh I'll show it for one second and then we're done because this is too promo -y for me. But um, I did release a book called Why Would Anyone Go to Church? And let me tell you, as I wrote it through 2017, 2018, 2019, I was encouraged and I was thinking, oh, this is so good. Like, you know, the things that that I was trying to witness to in the story of our congregation, uh, starting a church over uh, the last 10 years. Uh, at the time when I was writing it, it was about 10 years of history, pulling stories, everything that kept surfacing, why should people go to church, was all about the embodied life of being the church. It was about potlucks, it was about uh, liturgy, it was about singing together, it was about uh, Nap Sunday, which is our contribution to the liturgical calendar, which you can read about in the book or ask me about later. But it was all these different times we could get together and learn and pray and eat and feast and seek justice and seek truth, all this beautiful stuff. And the book was set to come out, it was all ready to go. And uh, I was excited because it was going to be coming out in June. 
And uh, this was back in maybe January, February of 2020. And the book was going to be coming out in June 2020. And I thought, this is so great. What could possibly interrupt this thing being meaningful and relevant to those who read it? Uh, and then there was March 2020. And I thought, oh, that's okay. You know, this thing will last about a month. And that'll clear the way for conversation about church again. Clearly not the case. I ended up releasing a book about going to church in June of 2020, which was one of the only times, if not the only time, in human history that no one on earth was allowed to go to church for their own safety. It was a very strange time to write a book about why people wouldn't be going to church when people were like, no, I've got great reasons not to go to church. I'd like to not die this week. And I don't know what this thing is that's going around. Now, what was interesting was this two-year window, sort of from uh, June 2020 to June 2022, where we were largely not meeting and the church was going through all sorts of shifts. And you had people saying, hey, now that we're online, even more people are showing up. We need online ministry forever. And you had others saying, no, we need to get back together in person. You heard congregations saying, oh, no, we, we, we need to do hybrid models. Suddenly all the debate was about the shape of church. But we had almost forgotten what church was as we had these conversations and debates. By quick show of hands, since I can see you, those of you with your screens on or, or if you're live at Acadia, a uh, quick show of hands, who have you attended an online church service of some variety over the last two and a half years? We get a, a show of hands? Okay, great. Uh, you can put your hands down. How many of you dropped out of watching church online at some point over the last two years? Be honest now. How many of you dropped off? <laughs> yes, exactly. We, we, you know, I, I didn't even feel upset when people from Eucharist, my congregation, would drop off of Zoom church. Like when people stopped attending, I was like, that makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> you know, it was one guy with a guitar and a dog in the background buffering issues, the slideshow's not working right, digitalized voices reading you God's word. I'm not saying that it was bad because it had its own beauty and there were elements of it that maybe were even insightful. But when it came to uh, the feast that the church has together, it prepares and, and, and enjoys together, um, it was kind of like, uh, more like a bonfire of hot dogs and beans after a day of portaging. It tastes really good, but only because everything else has been horrible. That was kind of like church online. The world might be ending, we all might be dying, but at least we get this little porcel of a meal. But today, as we can regather, as we can find other ways of gathering beyond our Sunday expression, as God's people can come together again in body, we have new challenges facing us. I'm not sure if anyone else has felt that the last two and a half, three years has been a significant time of pruning for the church in the West. Many of our largest churches, congregations, both in Canada and across North America, faced significant challenge, uh, some of which even closed down over the season of COVID. Leaders in our churches had sin exposed, you know, just big old zits popping all over the place, expelling out these toxins that were in the body of Christ that had to be expunged, had to be revealed in order for God to do new work, but that was deeply 
painful. And I bet every person listening right now has at least one leader, one person they respected, who at some point over the last three years crashed in a way that caused pain, discomfort, or disorientation for yourself or for your communities. Congregations in general were already facing a downhill trajectory. It was estimated pre-COVID that one third of our sacred spaces in Canada would be lost in the next 10 years. And now I would wager that's closer to three to five years. This doesn't paint uh, a particularly encouraging picture at first stroke. It can feel like, well, the church is maybe on its death rattle in Canada. For any of you training to enter into the church and hoping to do so in a vocational manner, uh, the job security is less than it used to be. You're sort of volunteering to work on the Titanic. Uh, we are gonna watch spaces that have been meaningful for generations to communities and individuals and families and denominations. We're gonna see these spaces crumble. And so there is a grief here that is one we have to acknowledge. It's nothing new. Even Jesus said of the temple, not a stone will remain on stone. Time has a way of ultimately returning all to dust before remanifesting new life. But resurrection requires death and repentance requires turning and new growth requires pruning. And there would be no way for us as God's people to have our capitalism pruned off us, but to suffer these trials. There would be no way for us to have our sin expunged out of us, but for it to hurt this bad. There is no way for us to turn to one another and from the false powers of racism and consumerism and individualism there is no way for us to turn from our embodied prejudice and judgments and idolatry of theology and space. There is no way for God's people to be pruned, but for it to be painful for a time. In my backyard, I have this gigantic mulberry tree. And I always kind of hated it because it just was so large and, and kind of unsightly. And uh, early on in COVID, the first summer, I was staring at this big mulberry tree and thinking like, this thing is just so crazy. It's getting all over the backyard. It's just this gigantic bush. It makes everything purple at least once a year from raining down mulberries. I've just got to cut this thing down. So I went to task. I got up on a ladder and I, you should have seen me. I was just hacking it down. Just like, da, 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 da. I don't know anything about pruning, I should say. Uh, I have no idea what I was accomplishing. I just cut all of it down and uh, wherever there was no life, I was just chopping it off ruthless. And afterwards, I stood back and I looked at the tree and I thought, I killed it. <laughs> <laughs> or I saved its life. And I won't know for a while which way it is. <laughs> I can tell you now, it's flourishing. There's more life than there was before. There's more fruit and it's less of an eyesore on the neighborhood. <laughs> but there was a process of pruning. So if today you are feeling discouraged about the future of the church, I wanna let you know you are reading the signs of the time correctly. 
There is a necessary discouragement. And anyone who tries quickly to say, no, 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 this is just a momentary lapse. The church is going to have influence again. We're going to save these spaces. We're going to save our denominations. Do not listen to false teachers and false prophets. You will know them by their fruit. And you will know them when you encounter them. And they may not be speaking from evil wickedness. They may just be used to smooth words and smooth tongues. But now is not a time for smooth tongues. And now is not a time for smooth words. Now is a time for repentance and turning back to the living God who will restore more than what we have lost in ways that not only do we not get to control, but we could not even imagine. Oscar Romero, saint of the poor in El Salvador, said that the kingdom of God is not only beyond our capacity, it is beyond our imagination. But I hope to offer in this time a few things that I'm observing as I see the future coming towards us. As we get these moments of mountaintop where we see where God's people may be heading in Canada, I think there is also reason to be encouraged in this time. So if I can, I'd like to reread our text for today, Hebrews 10, a little bit slower, and then I'm going to give you 10 things that I see as encouragements for the future church. I'm going to be reading from Hebrews chapter 10. I'm reading from David Bentley Hart's translation of the New Testament, which is quite wooden, uh, but I feel uh, allows us to access the text for some of us in, in new ways or a little sideways. So the letter to the Hebrews, beginning in chapter 10, verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, having the confidence to enter into the holy of holies by the blood of Jesus, by a way fresh and living which he opened for us through the veil, which is to say, through his flesh. As well as a great priest over the house of God, let us approach with a true heart in faith's full certainty, hearts that have been washed clean of a wicked conscience by sprinkling and with our body having been washed clean with pure water, let us cling unwaveringly to our hope's confession. For he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider, let us consider how to incite one another to love and good works and not neglect to gather ourselves together as is the custom of some, but instead give encouragement and all the more so as you see the day drawing near. So on that note then of giving encouragement all the more as we see the day drawing near, allow me to encourage you. I did write a book called Why Would Anyone Go to Church? 
Because before the pandemic, there seemed like church was going to have a lot of competition. There were podcasts that could be smarter. There was comedy clubs and comedy shows online that were funnier. There were TED Talks that were more insightful. But something funny happens when you spend two years mostly alone and plugged into these smart gods we all carry around in our pocket. The more you engage with what these idols are offering, the more you realize that it sucks. <laughs> Everything sucks but Christ. And I mean that literally. These things will suck your mental energy. They will suck your attention into the void. They want to suck your money away from you and give it to God knows who, but certainly not your neighbors. These devices and everything that stands against God's flourishing world are nothing but peddlers of death and despair who want to keep us addicted for one more hit and reshape us in their image as false gods and false religions have always done. And if you are wondering what these devices are, look at the back and see the image of a bit apple. On the back of your devices, that is the image of the religion of Silicon Valley and Apple. And ask yourself what other religions we have been duped into participating in and what other idols we have been sucked into worshiping. And when we see together how the world is being reshaped in the image of the gods of technology, we can begin to again find courage and hope in regathering as God's people and becoming as God made us to be. Now, this has been kind of heavy at points because I am a little uh, existential and intense sometimes. So let's try to deliver, <laughs> let's try to deliver this. Uh, I, it's all true for the record, all right? None of this is untrue. I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not trying to say that, that uh, all that existentialism isn't, isn't legit, but uh, maybe there's a more fun way that I can present this. So I'm gonna try I'm trying to set this up full screen. Can you just tell me if this is uh, visible for you here? Yes. You can see that, that just black that right now? It's yeah, good. Black, yeah. Great, and can you still see my face or no? No. no. That's probably for the best. <laughs> <laughs> well then, allow me to read for you 10 reasons why you should go to church, or at least that church still matters. 10 reasons why not church. Why not church? Number one, it orients your week. Talk to someone who's been out of church for one week and they'll tell you how liberating and refreshing it feels to do whatever they want Sunday morning. Talk to somebody who's been out of church for longer and you'll hear about how Sunday morning feels just like every other day and they have a hard time remembering what day it is. Sundays and worship together of any kind orient the week. Second, oh, where's my number two? Number three and number two, singing together is ecstatic. I don't know if you've sung with others in a room recently. I don't know if you've listened for one another's voice in a hymn or a chant, but when you sing together, it is like ecstasy. It feels so offline. You can't chant on the internet, but when you sing in a room with people, not only are you giving your attention to one thing together, you feel each other's spirits in your chest and you are attuned to one another as an orchestra is to a tuning fork. Number three, it's a party every Sunday. 
And it really is. If you've gone to a party recently, if seven people are in a room, it feels like it's like 1999. Let's go drop, you know, like it feels like a party. Church is a party every Sunday. Now I'm not saying it's a good party. <laughs> you all have to figure that out locally. But if you've got more than 10 people there, it is a party to anyone walking in off the street. And you can make it the kind of party where the people are the kind of people you would want to talk to, gracious and humble, and where the group activity is something you want to participate in, which really people do want to worship God. Number four, everyone is there for reasons. Maybe it used to be that people showed up on a Sunday because they felt like they had to, or they came to morning prayer because they felt like they ought to. But today, nobody's there for reasons of guilt. Nobody feels like they have to go to church. Everybody was just given a two-year hall pass. Now, if you're going to church, there is a reason. You are searching for something or someone. And what a gift to be in a room full of people with reasons. Number five. It's not about me. And thank God there is one place in the week where I struggle even to make it about me. <laughs> Church is so obviously about God. Church is so obviously about those who God has gathered to worship him. And in a world where every advertisement, every new app, every product is trying to tell you that it's about you. It is a total psychological reboot to walk into a place and shut up for an hour and drop on your knees and confess your sin and sing to one who is beyond you and everyone around you. Thank God it's not about me. Number six, everyone there is trying probably in both senses of the word. <laughs> if you get people together, there's going to be people who are trying a little too hard or who are trying your patience. But guess what? You're trying their patience. <laughs> it's hard to be people together. But there's a lot of people who aren't trying to be part of the reconciliation of all things who right now are more than happy to be alone or to be disconnected. But everyone gathering to worship is trying to be a part of God's grand reconciliation. And there is nothing in the kingdom of heaven but participation trophies for everyone. Number seven, it's multi-generational. You ain't never been to a party like this before. This is a party where 80-year-olds hold new babies, where teens come and go, where people in their 20s and 30s navigate the complexities of life mentored by people who are a decade ahead of them. There is no other place like the church. By its very nature, it holds time together. And any church that is embodying the life of Christ is going to find itself naturally drawn into the rhythms of intergenerational life. And the question will no longer be which group gets what they want, but will instead be how does every generation in this congregation receive what they need to serve God and to serve others? 
everything happens for the common good. Number eight, there are webs of relations. The webs of relations are there for the party as well. When you walk into a room, you'll often feel like you know two or three people, and maybe that's all you know. But the two or three people you know know a couple people you don't know. And another group across the room of five or six people knows a different group that you don't know. And the church, especially as it regathers on the other side of a global pandemic, and especially as it finds new ways to express itself beyond Sunday, especially ways that are ecumenical in nature, as the church in towns and cities and regions gathers together beyond its traditional borders, we will find it is the webs of trusting relationships that God uses to rebuild his people and re-manifest the future church. Number nine, worship is calming. To be in a space and sing to God together moves at a different pace than anything else in our culture. And the church functioning then as a sanctuary from a hurried and busy world has a whole new kind of relevance. Finally, church takes us deeper. The life of Christ is so much larger than Sunday worship. And the fullness of the life of Christ is larger than our manifestations of church in place. The life of church is as, sorry, the life of Christ is as large as the cosmos. But the church and its gatherings function as a door, like a portal, through which we engage in deep time and deep webs of relationship, through which we engage in that which anchors us and that which moves us forward. Through the church, we receive the life of the Spirit and the life of the common community through the Eucharist. And through that door, we enter deeper and deeper into both the life of Christ and our own interior worlds. So there are 10 good reasons why we ought to participate in the life of the church. And I hope that for you, as you chew on this together and talk about it more, I hope that this is not the final word on anything, but simply the first word, the kickoff to a larger conversation that you can have over the next week. But I hope and pray that this leaves you feeling encouraged to allow yourself to reimagine and receive in a new way what God is doing in your particular places with the particular people he has brought and that nothing will stop you from faithfully obeying, and you will see how God regrows this pruned tree. The Lord who leads us is faithful. Because of him, we know there will be a future church. I'll be honest, I'm not sure that there will be a church in Canada that is recognizable to anyone in 20 or 25 years from now. But more than ever, I am convinced and convicted there will be a church in a hundred years from now. And if we could see even a glimpse of that future church, we would be so 
jealous. <laughs> whether they've got buildings or they're meeting in coffee shops and living rooms, whether they have budgets or everyone's a lay leader now, we would be jealous to see the abundance of faith the bonds of fellowship, the communion of the saints, the clarity of God's action, the prophetic healings and words. There is going to be a new age where all of the streams of the Protestant church and perhaps even beyond are reformed in a new reformation into one living body with manifest and multiple expressions. But one church, one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. My brothers, sisters, and siblings in Christ at Acadia, keep your eyes peeled. Watch for it. Encourage one another in it. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Amen. Thank you for joining us in this Acadia Divinity College Chapel podcast. You can follow us on social media. Discover more on our website at acadiadiv.ca or join us for chapel on a Wednesday. <laughs>